Hey, what's going on? I just realized I didn't turn any of the electronics off upstairs. This might be a bit of a choppy stream. There's nothing I can do about it now because we have already started. Uh, welcome to tonight's show. We are talking about a really insane film that I just finished watching for 31 days of Halloween. It is called Resurrection. It's directed by a guy named, where is, hold on, I got my information right here. Directed by a guy named Andrew Siemens. Simmons. He's only done one other feature. It stars Rebecca Hall. Phenomenal, tremendous actress. Love her. She's so great. And uh, Tim Roth is also in it. And uh, I guess an up-and-comer named uh, Grace Grace Kaufman. And um, it's a Shutter. It's a Shutter exclusive or a Shutter original, one of the two. I think it's a Shutter original. And damn, this is one of the best movies I have seen all year. I mean, I was gripped. This was this was written and directed by Andrew. And boy, this guy has got some friggin' skills, man. Uh, I was gonna do one of the the standard, you know, short reviews, but I don't know how to talk about it. I think I'm just sort of burnt out on doing reviews and I can't wait for it to be a year out from even thinking of doing more in this sort of format. I'm really sort of burnt out and I'm just sort of staying the course now because I said I was going to do it and I, I'm just, I'm tired, man. I'm tired. I got a lot of other stuff I got to do, <laughs> but I'm so close. This is movie 29. So I'm, 29 i'm two movies out from completing my challenge this is actually movie 28 i have to edit that's uh, the wnuf sequel we'll talk about that or you'll see that probably tomorrow on halloween let's talk about this movie basically it takes place in albany new york Sp huge spoilers if you have not seen this film huge spoilers do not watch this review if you have not seen this movie, what's up, Michelle? <laughs> How you doing? Michelle's been Michelle's popped in from time to time as I as, as I've been doing these reviews. I'm trying my best, Michelle, to hang in there for sure. I don't know how much longer that will that will be that will last, but I'll do my best. Um damn it, Janet. Damn it, Jeff. Is that what you were going for, Jake? You got Jake Bailey in the house. Okay, sorry. Anyway, let me get back to this. Uh, if comments come, comments come. All I'm saying is if you have not seen this movie, do not watch this review. This is something you do not want to be spoiled with. You don't want this to be spoiled at all. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michelle. Michelle says I'm doing great. I appreciate that, truly. And yes, it took place in Albany, New York. Okay, so anyway. So you have this woman, Margaret, played by the brilliant, brilliant Rebecca Hall. She is just, I, I love her so much. She's also in The Prestige, which is a great film with Hugh Jackman and uh, Christian Bale. And she is a, she's a single mom. She's this very powerful. This movie really is almost more of a, it's more of a care. It's a, it's a slow burn character study, but the dread is so intense that you just, you don't know where this movie is going to go. And it just, it builds and it builds and you're glued. I was glued to my screen, just dying to know what's going to happen. 
So she's a successful businesswoman. She lives in Albany. She's a single mom. She has a daughter named Abby, who's two weeks shy of turning 18 and, and leaving for college. Um, she's also having an affair. And uh, I, I guess, you know, I guess they work together. I didn't realize that they work together, but they work in the same office. So she's having an affair, uh, very casual sort of affair type situation. And, um, you know, there's this there's this moment early on in the film where Abby, she loses a tooth, which is very sort of symbolic of her leaving home. And, and, and because Margaret is very sort of overprotective of Abby, she, you know, she's always like, you know, trying to like keep her safe. Uh, Margaret struggles with the need to being in control because of what happened to her in her past. Um, and the movie, just like I said, the first act, it's just all character study. And we're seeing this strong businesswoman who, you know, very cognitively is having an affair and, you know, wants to, doesn't want anything more than sort of companionship, like occasional no strings attached companionship and animalistic sex. And she enjoys herself and she has a pretty good relationship with her daughter, Abby, who she calls smidgen. I think it's so cute. She calls her, that's her nickname smidgen or smidge. What a, what a sweet nickname. And um, one day she's at like a conference for work. We don't know what she does. It has something to do. And this is, you know, my biggest frustration. And the thing that I love more than anything about this movie is that they don't friggin' tell you shit. <laughs> you don't know anything. They do not spoon feed you anything uh, apart from this incredible monologue. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, uh, Margaret does something in something with bioscience. That's all you know. And she sees a guy named David. That's Tim Roth, who one day she's at a conference. She sees this guy, David, and she literally all of a sudden, all of like these little aspects of her personality that we're getting through this first act character study start to come into razor sharp focus because she goes from being the smart, you know, firm, strong businesswoman that she is and just quivers and shakes with fear so much so that it oozes out of the TV into my pores. And I am quivering with fear as we, our sort of audience and, you know, in character on the screen are communally sharing some sort of past trauma and we don't know what it's all about. And she just gets up out of this conference and just takes off running. She's a runner. She takes off running. She's in incredibly good shape. And, you know, Rebecca Hall, she has such striking features. I, I don't know what it is, but she is just her beauty is breathtaking and she's not traditionally, you know, I, I don't know how to describe this. She's not like traditionally aesthetically beautiful. She is beautiful in the most um, quirky, personal kind of way. I can't quite describe it. Um, she's, she's just, she's striking to look at and uh, she's a phenomenal actress uh, yes, Michelle, Tim Roth is phenomenal in everything he does. And, you know, generally, you know, Tim Roth is, is very good at playing antagonist and he's quite clearly the antagonist here. So she has a panic attack. She runs, she, she leaves the conference and the, and as she leaves, the walk turns into a run. She's sprinting home. She gets home to Abby. Um, 
she has this crazy, crazy nightmare. And it's the first sign of, of, of what is kind of to come. She has a nightmare. She finds a baby in an oven and it's, uh, it's all the, it's, it's very graphic and very brutal. Uh, and she starts to like, she starts to like slowly fall apart after that. She, starts taking more risks with the guy she's having an affair with and they're, they're banging. I guess that right. That would be the workplace. So they're banging in the bathroom. I thought she just was calling up a booty call at her workplace, but I guess they work together. Right. So that makes sense. Um, she, she starts seeing, uh, she starts bumping into Tim Roth, the David more and more. And, and he, she just straight up walks right up to him and she goes like, she just says, stay the she goes stay the fuck out of out of my um stay the fuck out of my family stay stay away from abby i will kill you all this sort of mama bear stuff and what is interesting and this is the first clue the first mystery here tim roth is missing a tooth in the same way that abby had a tooth come out of her mouth which is a weird sort of coincidence right it's interesting um David says a bunch of cryptic things. He kind of like plays the fence. He pretends like he doesn't know her. And then he does. He's playing these really sick head games. And for the first time we see Margaret, she just cannot handle. It's like she can handle every man in her life. Like she's like counseling a coworker who was dealing with a really bad situation. She's like super firm with everything in her life. But when it comes to Tim Roth, this guy, he's the one guy in a, in a weird kind of way. This movie could be best described as David Cronenberg, David Cronenberg doing Kill Bill volumes one and two. That's the way I would describe it, man, truly. And uh, so she says she goes to the police. Police are like, there's nothing we can really do, you know, because because David played by Tim, Tim Roth. He was just in public places like he, he wasn't, there's nothing, he wasn't threatening her or anything, but just his presence is threatening. And she's like, she's freaking out. She's just, she's, she's unraveling. She's really, really unraveling. And she ends up, you know, either purchasing a gun or, or brandishing a gun of some kind. She's just, she's really worried. And, uh, and then what happens is we get the full story in like the best part of the movie is this insane monologue from from Rebecca Hall that in is absolutely worthy of of an Oscar Oscar nomination in my opinion just this one monologue alone it's just so friggin brilliant and basically she reveals that she had met David when she was 18 years old you know a baby she was 18 years old she um uh, she her parents were hippies they were staying somewhere uh, in, in very remote for some sort of research or something. And David was there and basically he convinced, you know, he sort of like, he basically groomed her. He groomed her and groomed her via her parents and this, that, and the other. And she ended up moving in with him and they had a great, they had a great relationship for a little while, but eventually David becomes incredibly, controlling and he's abusive and he has he has this thing he wants her to do these things called kindnesses and it's it's sort of like uh it, it's it's basically like i don't i don't know how to describe it it's like through through verbal control she wants him 
he wants her to do these things that uh, like, you know, walking barefoot or holding yoga poses for a really long time. And what she gets in return is his admiration and affection. And so she starts basically kind of like hurting herself in these endurance trials that are considered kindnesses. And um, eventually she does become pregnant and she gives birth to her son, Benjamin, in a bed. She doesn't go to a hospital or anything. And, uh, you know, David, he's like, you can't draw anymore. She was an avid drawer. You can't draw anymore. Just like your classic abusive relationship with a controlling narcissistic piece of crap. And um, she really, you know, she thought that she talks about how, you know, her love for her, for David was powerful, but she didn't know true love until she, you know, met her son. And David didn't really appreciate that clearly because when he sent her out for supplies, David uh, basically made Ben disappear, claiming that he killed Ben, the, the baby. Uh, all that was left of Ben was two fingers. So we never see these fingers and we never see anything. This is just a like a, a medium close-up, close-up shot of Rebecca Hall re recounting this story. And her verbiage and delivery are so effective that the audience, as an audience member, I'm able to paint such a clear, clear crystal picture of what had happened. And uh, it, it's just, man, it, it's... It's heavy. So she, she, uh, and, and, you know, David claims that he had eaten Ben and that Ben was with him. It was the same thing. He keeps pointing to his stomach and saying that Ben is with him. Right. And, uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Like why, why that is, um, kind of crazy. Um, so she flees to America. Right. And, you know, Margaret, like, you know, she's, she's got, she's like sort of lost her mind because this David keeps saying that like Ben is inside of me. And it's just like this insane manipulation. And, you know, again, the movie is called resurrection. So I'll already at this point, I'm thinking, okay, so maybe Ben really did die, but then he's been resurrected somehow. And that has to do with the bioscience research that David, David is involved with and her. I don't, know how else to explain it um so margaret you know fast forward now margaret is like you know she's just keeps she keeps following him around she's like a moth drawn to the light even though she's repulsed by tim roth she is still so completely attached to him she just she sticks to him she and you know what else is sticky like you know when you stick to someone who's super toxic and narcissistic stickers stickers are sticky like riot stickers and we're doing the special deal with riot stickers here at the from us channel uh you go to riotstickers.com backslash from us f-r-u-m-e-s-s -S, and you're gonna get a hundred sorry you're gonna get a thousand stickers for 79 bucks you can't beat that these are uv coated stickers so they're protected from the sun they're printed on vinyl, so that they're uh, waterproof. And like I said, you're not going to find a better deal than seven cents per sticker. So let us play our nifty, handy dandy little theme song before we move on here with the review of the show, which I'm finding difficult to discuss, even doing it live like this. You know, um, I just was like, man, I was supposed to make like a short video. I was like, I don't even know. I'm just going to go live. <laughs> 
I'm so, I'm so burnt out. Okay, we are back. Ridestickers.com. Ridestickers, we are the bomb. So in any case, basically, she's telling him to stay away, but she keeps, like, stalking him because she's drawn to him. Abby is like, what the hell is going on? Margaret won't tell Abby what's going on, and I keep thinking, like, you got to tell her the truth. Um, the guy she's having an affair with, Peter, he becomes incredibly worried about her, and he reveals that he's actually in love with her and whatnot. And Margaret eventually realizes she finds out where David is staying. And up to this point, here's the other thing that's interesting too. Up to this point, I'm not even sure if David is real or if she, he is a figment of her imagination. If he was a figment of, of her imagination, this would have been a supreme cop-out. I would have been really upset if he was a figment of, of her imagination. I wanted him to be real. Uh, it, it just would have been such a, it, it would have made this very interesting sort of uh story into just super contrived and it just would have it would have upset me and so i'm really glad i'm really glad that's not the case so so rebecca is basically trying to get up the guts to kill tim roth's character because he she thinks it's the only way that that she can keep abby safe He's been sort of stalking Abby. And, you know, you're also thinking, is he Abby's father? But we realized that she hadn't seen him in 22 years, which puts her age. She is 40 years old. She has an, a daughter that is about to turn 18. And Ben would have been 22 years old if he is still alive, like she said. She eventually she gets into his apartment where he's sort of staying. And she finds like the comforter that Ben used to be wrapped up in. And, and then the tables get turned. She puts a gun to david's head but he overpowers her and he says if you kill me then you kill ben and we still you know i'm then you start then i start wondering okay is this going to be has he somehow fused ben's body to his body and this is sort of like uh what, what is that like kalatu that you know from uh from total recall you know the guy who has his twin brother in his chest that's what i'm thinking is going on here and um, I'm not really sure. And then maybe here's the symbolism that we're starting to see, because here's the thing, David, he keeps, he's drawn, he's, he himself is drawn back to Margaret and his desire to wanting to be a, a family with Margaret, which is a pretty strong want and it works. However, I, I feel like I needed a little bit more in that, in that, on that level. And he keeps, she keeps following through. She keeps doing the kindnesses. So now he wants her to meditate in the park in addition to like walking around in bare feet again. And, um, and it's just, and you know, we we're watching Margaret just descend into madness. Abby eventually sort of moves out and, um, 
she needs to go. She oh right. So I'm sorry, he turns the tables on her with the gun and and basically exclaims, if you kill me, you kill Ben. So Ben and him are connected in some way. We're gonna find out. You know we're gonna find out in some way, shape, or form. Um then I'm trying to think of what happens next. So then there eventually David meets Margaret at at this hotel room, this nice hotel room. They have champagne. And she doesn't want any champagne. Margaret doesn't. And she asked about the gun that David had overpowered her with that, that, you know, that he, David had taken from her. And he claims he threw it in the river, which is good for Margaret for obvious reasons. And that's when David basically exclaims that he could somehow communicate with Ben and claims that, you know, puts Margaret, he puts Margaret's hand on his stomach and says, you can feel Ben moving. And she does. And in that moment, we know that David is real. We know that Ben is real. And basically Margaret, for whatever reason, decides to, that she needs to kill. She needs to kill him. That's what she needs to do. What's up, Brew Morg? How are you? Good to see you, buddy. She needs to kill uh, and get rid of Tim Roth. So she starts stabbing him. He stabs her. They they do some stabby stab back and forth. She eventually ties him to one of the bedposts, one of the bed legs, and she cuts open his stomach, pulls out his guts, and takes out the baby Ben, who is a fetus that is somehow still alive and inside of Ben for the la- inside of David for the last 22 years. And you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And he's like a perfect, he's not mutated in any way. It's just inexplicably, inexplicably. <laughs> in fact, you know, it would make a really good double feature with junior junior uh, with Danny DeVito and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Cause that's literally, this is literally junior part two. Um, and you know, it's interesting. So Abby leaves for college. We get this sort of little epilogue at, you know, David is dead. Uh, Margaret's reunited with her son and Abby is seen leaving for college. Right. And um, she, Margaret's in bed with the baby. And it's like that. We don't know how she got out of this hotel. We don't know how she got out of killing how, you know, get, got away with killing David and gutting him. And uh, for whatever reason, she has this baby Ben and he's still alive. So it has to be a dream. But, you know, Andrew is nice enough not to do pull that stupid cop out of like, hey, you know, oh, it was a dream the whole time. Like, we're left to believe that this is real. And the very last thing we're left with is, you know, Margaret, she's smiling and all of a sudden she becomes panicked and then gasps in terror. And that's the end. That's the end of the movie. And I was super frustrated with this ending. And yet at the same time, I was really glad that they didn't try to explain more stuff because if they had tried to explain it more than they did, I mean, they gave us such, they gave us, they gave us plenty of clues and now it's time to sit and try and figure out what the fuck was going on. So that was, that was sort of a breakdown of the story. I thought, like I said, I thought it was great. We are building with dread towards this eventual culmination of just just a a, a fantastic David Cronenberg esque, you know, gutting scene, that sort of thing. 
And and now we're left wondering, picking up pieces, what the hell happened? What, you know, what is going on? Obviously, so, okay, so right off the bat, Tim Roth, Tim Roth's character and his connection to Ben is sort of like, must be some kind of meditation about like how we are connected to how no matter what happens, no matter how far away we want to get potentially from the the parents, the other the other uh, parent of our children, meaning our baby moms and our baby daddies, no matter how much we hate them or are repulsed by them, if we are, that they will always be connected to us through the children. And so through her love and connection to Ben, her child, she finds herself inexplicably drawing herself closer and closer towards David and destruction because she literally becomes toxically sick being in his presence. And he's, he is, he's Machiavellian in his charm. Everything that he does is calculated. He knows that she is following him. He knows, he knows exactly what he's doing. There's not a moment when Tim Roth is on screen that I don't think he, he ever doesn't anticipate Margaret and what Margaret plans to do. The first time that he is truly caught off guard is when she pulls the knife on him. And then when she guts him and cuts out the baby, those are the only two times this happens at the end. That's every other time. I think that Tim Roth's character knows what's going on. And that just, that blew me away. Um, let's look now. I'm going to look now at some letterbox and shutter reaction reviews because like i said i don't know what the fuck this movie i don't know what is going on my brain can't work well enough you know usually i'm pretty good i have a pretty good we, we sit here deciphering glenn danzig lyrics all the time right so you know i'm pretty good at 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 coming up with uh you know working through the clues but i have no idea what is going on so we're going to take a look so this is this is shutter right here and it's got four skulls out of five skulls which is really good this might be the best way to do reviews in the future. Um, let's take a look here. A tale of ever-increasing delirium anchored by a powerhouse performance and capped off with one of those truly shocking finales instead of a neat little bow. I agree. I I agree. Good good point. Um, I went to the movie without knowing anything. Blah, blah, blah. Nope. Nope. I'm just looking for answers. I'm not looking for <laughs> spoiler alert. Rebecca Hall did a wonderful job, blah, blah, blah. With zero explanation from Abby's mother, she had no choice but to try and focus on her life since she was being left in the dark with the insanity that her mother was going through. Good point. The ending was great. It really felt like an ending, like the ending was what Margaret wanted in her life rather than the truth. That's probably true, and that's why we get that crazy little bit of breath at the end. Um, it does. I agree. It, it's an open-ended ending, but it's, it does work. It does work. Let's see. Um, I'm just skipping to the end because I want to see how people interpreted the ending resurrection coincidentally contains a thematic element from each of the Sundance films I've seen this year, loss of a loved one, cannibalism and being followed. Interesting. The film puts, I mean, cause he literally says I ate the baby, right? But then like the baby is in his stomach connected to him. It's like more like he resurrected the baby. He grew the baby somehow. This doesn't give us any answers. 
Here we go. Resurrection was such a refreshing, refreshingly honest portrayal of the effects of repressed and unresolved abuse on Margaret. Yes, very true. Hmm. The banality of evil. Okay. Okay. But nobody can... When you search online for a recap of a plot ending, you can either blame yourself or blame production. Great performances here and moving depictions of abuse and trauma. Absolutely. But another one of those movies where you're responsible as an audience member to ask to answer what happened questions. I'm too old to put together things that editing and directors left for me. And they only gave it two out of five skulls. So while I do agree that that's exactly what this movie is doing, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's challenging and I like it. I'm happy for it. Um, spoilers it starts off pretty good he ate the baby and now the baby has been in his stomach the whole time yeah it's just really weird i i really wonder i have to ask bob rose what does bob rose think about this movie i want to hear what he thinks happened hmm Wait, okay so zen rebel says witnessing a woman's sad decline into mental illness is now horror i mean it is kind of it's hor horrifying not my cup of tea understandable Nothing about it is horror. It's a sad exploitation of an emotionally fragile woman. Hmm. Typical male tropes of pregnancy, mother, guilt, male domination. Sad to see Tim Roth in a shallow role of a male prosecutor. I thought it wasn't shallow at all, man. I thought it was actually, I mean, what he's doing, he is all of those things, you know, the male domination and the, you know, he is all the male tropes, but he, he's doing it with depth. He's doing it well. Uh, at the end with the double dinner knife fighting was laugh laughable. Hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know. Nobody, nobody seems to be able to answer what is happening here. It's annoying. I, I kind of want, I want some answers. Okay. Let's check letterbox. See if letter, if, by the way, if any of you are on letterbox, go follow me there. If you want to see what I am watching. If you want to see what I am watching, you can also follow me on Spotify if anybody's interested. I know it sounds kind of narcissistic, but, you know, check it out. It's got 3.4 on, on Letterboxd. Let's see what they say. Yeah, Letterbox is really fun because you could like, see what your friends have been watching and stuff. So I'm always, like, following my friends. I see what they're watching. They see what I'm watching. You can leave reviews. Usually you see your reviews from your friends right at the top. All right. I am going to try to find, this is pretty good from Justin Lo Liberty. He used to do all the programming at my local Alamo. He says, finds idiosyncratic footing between a seventies revenge film and the type of odd, intimate genre space of William Friedkin's bug, where the less, you know, going in, the better off you are. Hall and Roth are terrific. Made me think more than once of the pairing of Sam Neill and uh, Isabel Ajani in Possession. That's a good comparison. Possession right there. Um, let's see if any... It doesn't... Like, nobody knows. Oh, this is great. Seems like seems like the run-of-the-mill paranoid thriller until the audacious eight-minute eight unbroken close-up monologue by Rebecca Hall, which shatters the veil of normalcy. Yeah, it's that is great yeah it, it is man 
you really need to see you really need to see that there you can see my review i haven't i, I gave it four stars out of five stars um <coughs> he says this inner child work is getting ridiculous that's pretty funny Let's see if we can find some more. I, I'm not getting the answers that I was hoping for. I was hoping somebody would be able to really sort of drive it home here. Here's another person. The long close-up monologue. Oh, the long close-up monologue by Rebecca Hall was quite needed to shed. What I thought was going to be an all right thriller uh, went real intense and kept going. An absurd concept that I won't. It is an absurd concept. Um. Hmm. They would have rated it higher if it was trimmed by 10 to 20 minutes. It could have been, it could have been about 10 to 20 minutes shorter than it was. I didn't mind. I, I was okay with that. Like I, I was cool. I, I was cool the whole friggin' time. I, I was like, I was just riding it. No, this is a this is not someone didn't like it. Hmm. But nobody's trying to interpret the ending. Yeah, Tim Roth was horrifying. What does the tooth mean? What is the, the representation of the tooth? He is missing a tooth, and she loses a tooth. The baby, he becomes pregnant with the baby. He is carrying their child. I, I don't know, man. I just don't know. <laughs> I really don't know how to freaking um, interpret this. But it's really, really, really good. Let's see. Let's see. This is the last one I'm gonna I'm gonna look at, and we'll, we'll wrap it up. No, nothing. De okay. Rebecca Hall is a deranged girl, a deranged girl boss for a presumably evil biotech company. The kind of job where you say "fuck it" meetings and do nothing all day if you want. She's got a teenage daughter and a squeeze. Life is great. Then one day at one of those blow-off professional conferences, Tim Roth shows up. Now I didn't know jack shit about Tim Roth's character in this movie. And it's one of the funniest things I've seen all year, so I'll lay off. Roth coming round makes Hall even more deranged when she's finally ready to spill the beans, all the mishigas in the now famous eight-minute monologue. You better believe Hall is in top form. She really is. And he says it's a taxi driver ending. Yeah. But nobody can tell me what happens at the end. Nobody. It, it seems that you literally need to take it at face value of what is happening. And, um, or maybe that's what, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. I'm, I'm left guessing with this one. But it's it was really enjoyable. I highly recommend it. If you just watch this very spoiler-laden review, I still think it doesn't, her performance is so magnetic. It like, it like doesn't take away if you were to still go and watch it. So check it out. That's on shutter. Um, we got a couple more reviews and then we're going to go back to our live show format. We got some episodes of pizza punk coming up. Got a lot of good stuff happening. Uh, I'm going to be reviewing Jerry only's anti-hero album and we'll probably publicize that a little bit more. But uh, I got to go because I got to edit another review right now. <laughs> Peace. Hair grease. Hey, guys. What's going on? It's Jeff. So I've decided to make a Patreon. What is Patreon? I don't know how to define a Patreon. Let me look it up. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it very easy 
for creators to get paid for the things that they're already creating. I want to do it full-time. I want this to be my full-time job. In my efforts to make that happen, I've set up this platform. Is it going to work? Is it going to be successful? I don't know. But I would rather try and crash and burn than not try at all. The goal is to create enough passive revenue so that I can continue to do this full-time, uninterrupted. Why? Because I love to do this. I love creating content. I love making videos. I love shooting films. I love doing podcasts. In case you couldn't tell, I love to talk and I never shut the fuck up. <laughs> so right now I've kept the Patreon incredibly simple. There's two tiers and that may change in the future. The Murdergram is a simple way to extend support for all of the hours and hours of free content on the channel for nothing more than a dollar. 38 cents goes to Patreon. What's a buck 38, eh? It's less than a cup of coffee. But it's a great way that you can show support for very little effort. When you divide that dollar 38 by the hours and hours and hours of time spent listening to this endless drivel of content, the dollar cost average works out. Next up is the YouTube casualty for $6.66. The YouTube casualty is loaded to the gills. Enjoy the archive ad-free as well as ad-free early access to special docu-style podcast videos, music reaction commentaries, and the like a month before they drop on YouTube, loaded with ads, I might add. You're also going to get exclusive content and behind-the-scenes content that is not available on YouTube or anywhere else. So you get to peek behind the veil. And believe me, there's a couple of choice pieces. Most of all, more than anything, whether you join the Patreon or not, 